0: Welcome to Side Effects. Effect versus affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Braybender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, my co-host Anne Marie Singleton, and our guest joining us from Tiffin University for a five-part podcast series about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's get started. McGowan Brabender is dedicated to learning more about the best DEI practices, and we know our clients and partners are too. With the help of Nadia Lewis, the Vice President for Human Resources and the Center for Intercultural Excellence at Tiffin University, and Julia Porter, the Director of the Center for Intercultural Excellence, we'll get there together. Today, we'll dive into the great reevaluation, dissect what self-awareness really is, and learn how to get better at it. Nadia and Julia will help us understand your lived experiences and those of others. Without further delay, welcome Nadia and Julia. Hello everyone, Anne-Marie,
1: thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Hey Kinsey, thanks for having me here this morning.
0: Absolutely, and we have two awesome guests um, on via Vmix here, Julia and Nadia. Hi ladies, how are you today? Hi, good Good to be with you guys. We're so excited to have you here, Um, our two experts from Tiffin University
1: from the Center of Intercultural Excellence. Yes, thank you so much for joining us this morning. So we're very excited to talk about our topic today. And our original topic for this podcast was going to be about the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, and learning some of the tools and resources to make your own company more inclusive. But once we started having a conversation with both of you, we realized we had a much bigger opportunity. Uh, So we're so lucky to have both of you, as Kinsey said, and we agreed to turn this discussion into a five-part podcast series, which we're so excited about, with an incredible special event in the middle of the shows.
0: Right. So, Nadia and Julia, can you guys please introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us about your roles at Tiffin and the purpose for the Center of Intercultural Excellence?
2: Yes. Um... I'll go first. My name is Nadia Lewis. I am the vice president for human resources and the Center for Intercultural Excellence. I've been in human resources. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna date myself by saying over 16 years. Um, um, and then um, through that, just always, you know, facilitating to a degree. You know, whether it was for Bridges Out of Poverty. Um, I work with Fierce Conversations and just um, helping employees um, find creative ways and innovative solutions and strategies to engagement um, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that obviously always drove around the inclusion uh, uh, practice and understanding the individual need to, in order to have that rewarding employee experience. Um, and I think through that, as our president um, started the work of establishing our Center for Intercultural Excellence, I think uh, she knew our alignment of our passion, me speak, was speaking with myself mm-hmm. and Julia. And so that's how we came to be a part of that center. And my work for that center is, you know, and Julia will share with hers, is basically as a collaborative effort of, you know, our work at Tippie University and who we are, we are a, um, you know, a, a, a laboratory of, of expertise there. And so we tested everything on ground with our students, our staff, our faculty um, in this work. And, you know, with, we tell our uh, clients and the people we work with, it's okay to fall down in these mm-hmm. conversations of DEI space. You should fall down, mm-hmm. um, but make sure you get yourself back up um, when you do that work. And so we did that, you know, we we tried and, and failed and, diff- and went through different um, reiterations of how to be an inclusive culture. And as we did that, we said, gosh, we don't want to hold this secret sauce just to ourselves. We want to make sure we expand this and help other organizations. And so that's, you know, the work of the center and the work I do is um, always doing the research side and evolving in the space of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. But then as we do that, bringing those best practices to organizations that we work with and help train them and facilitate those conversations in-house.
1: Yeah. We so appreciate you sharing that, not only with us, but with the community at large. We really, really do.
3: So Julia, do you want to share your intro? Sure. i'm julia porter i have been in education now for 20 years i started out as a high school teacher in downtown brooklyn new york um, where i got my master's degree in brooklyn as well at brooklyn college i moved back to the midwest and finished my career and started in higher education so in 2016 i finished my phd in um, global um, global change and i was so excited to maybe sit out for a while. We had just adopted our daughter and I was going to relax and then I got a call from Tiffin University. Uh, They were familiar with my research and they said, we have this great new initiative that we want to do on campus and we need somebody to spearhead it and we want it to be you. And so I my, my dream of staying at home for a short period of time was was wiped away. And I, I went to Tiffin and I have never um, been more excited. So when we adopted our daughter in the middle of my Ph.D. process, we became a transracial family. And this work that we do became even more critical to me. It's always been important to me. But now that I see how it affects somebody that I love very much, I want to ensure that more places in our world are inclusive, that we are teaching everybody we can to hear this message on having inclusive workplaces, on being respectful and kind to each other. And this is the work that we do and that we train to others both internally and externally. And this is so important, I know, to both Nadia and I and the rest of our team. And so we are so excited to be here today to share this with more people.
0: That's perfect. So we, you kind of hinted at it, Nadia. Um, who was the brainchild, and how did the center get started?
2: <laughs> that would be our very own um, Tiffin's first female president, uh, Dr. Lillian Schumacher, um, who I think will be joining one of the episodes later on, mm-hmm. and she's just dynamic. And you know, during a time where, first of all, um, you know, celebration of Tiffin's first female. President, mm-hmm. um, now I get on my LinkedIn posts and I am because I can see it now through other universities. Bringing on more females into that role, which was not a um, position that was held by many females for many years, um, and so with her coming on board um, at her, you know, inaugural speech, she will tell you that her very focus was around creating a DEI space on campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I say that we are this laboratory for learning for DEI, we are. And we are in a small rural area and we have students there, despite that, that represent over 33 different countries. Wow. And so we are on our own little unique island, if you will. And so absolutely, she recognized that and said, you know, we have to create this warm, loving culture that celebrates and recognize all of the diverse tapestry and landscapes our students, our staff, and faculty bring. How do we do that? And so it was her that, that started the, you know, rolled up her sleeves and started the heavy lifting of having these conversations and being emboldened and passionate to know that this was the right thing to do, even when not so many people were doing it. Yeah. And it
0: really just launched in 2021 or 22 because you guys have had it in the works for a while. But what year did yes. it actually start?
2: Yeah. So our president started 2016, I think, with this work on campus and everything um, and with her coming on board. The center itself, um, Julia and I were busy away um, working on it and building uh, things gosh, last year, so 2021. Mm-hmm. And then we officially launched it January 1st of this year.
1: Okay.
0: And we're the first ones to have you on our podcast. You are. <laughs> you
1: are. So again, we we are, we are so and uh, excited and energized about the work you're doing. And we've just so enjoyed our conversations that we've had um, over the past few months. And Really, we selected the theme for this episode as the great reevaluation and self-awareness. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been an avid um, learner, I guess, in this space. And um, when we say self-awareness, one of the things that I have heard along the way is, you know, we have to challenge ourselves to grow in ways that are uncomfortable for ourselves, and um, like really start to create that diversity from within. And so that's what that self-awareness said to me when we talked about this this episode. So. Um, what is it? What is it, and why is it so important? I mean, you've said a little bit about it here, but maybe expand a little bit on on this great reevaluation and self awareness.
2: Yes, um, Julia, you can take self awareness. <laughs> I'll take the great reevaluation. <laughs>
3: I think one of the things that you just touched on, Anne Marie, that's so important is that this can be uncomfortable. And a theme for us is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, when we are thinking about ourselves, especially, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. We want to think we're doing everything right and we're doing a good job and that we understand ourselves, but we don't. And even those of us that have been in this work for some time, we're constantly having to reevaluate um, and think about what we're doing. How can we get changed? How can we be better? And so One of the things I just had a discussion last week with somebody is we do a really good job of thinking about how we feel about certain situations. And a lot of us are working on how we react to those situations, but what we sometimes forget is that not everybody comes to the table from the same situation. We don't even know when we come to work in the morning what everybody's dealt with. You know, Nadia and I are both mothers, so sometimes we're running late because somebody forgot a project or we have to run back to school because we didn't bring lunch and we can we can feel scattered when we come in in the morning Um, there are people that we work with that maybe had a different morning we have students that maybe didn't eat that morning so Mm -hmm. realizing that not everybody is coming from the same lens taking a beat thinking about what you're saying thinking about how you're reacting is really 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 important And I think sometimes we have the assumption that if somebody looks like us or speaks like us, that they have the same background as us, and that's not true. And how we get past that and how we understand more about that is asking questions, listening when people speak. I think we're really good about listening to respond. We forget Mm -hmm. to listen to learn and to grow. So that's one of the things that we all kind of work on every day at the center and that we are starting to encourage others to do as well.
2: Yeah. Right. Thank you. And so, with the great reevaluation, you know, this was something that I was reviewing with the whole conversation around the great resignation, right? And I think there was a, a survey done that had more than 4 million Americans had quit their job. I think it was on SHRM. Um, and this is through the impactful side effects of COVID nineteen pandemic, and then the aftermath of that, um, and then of course you have all of these surveys being done as far as why reexamining how and why people were redirecting their professional lives, and so you have to think about it. You know, as as people were at home um, working remote, if you were like me, you were double duty as school teacher. Um, fifth grade school teacher, kindergarten school teacher. I have two boys, um, working remote, um, still being wife, mother, and all those things on top of it. But with the r- remote setup, and, and you know, and, and hubby was in the office working with me, we were able to pivot in a whole different way and structure than when we're out at work. Right. We were able to have a level of connection with our kids and with each other during that span that we couldn't have before, especially during a a day or through the weeks. Um, And so many, many, many people felt that. Um, And so whether through frustrations, whether it was feeling undervalued, whether it was the reopening or reawakening of what a work-life balance could, and for many should look like, that really started the ball in motion. And so when I kept hearing about, oh, the great resignation, the great resignation, and I'm, 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 I'm a naturally a Pollyanna type of girl anyway, so I always put things on a positive spin. I said, you know, it's not really the great resignation because the, the reasoning for it happening is that people were wanting to focus, refocus what was important to them in life and how it was structured. Like for me, I had, I was healthier. Because I was able to wake up for the first time and actually do a morning workout and not have to wake up at 4 a.m. to do it. Really? I wow. could wake up at, I know, I could wake up at 6 30 or 7 and work out and then take a shower and be refreshed and then, you know, check in with hubby, see what his day was like, check in with the kids and structure what they were doing. And, at lunchtime, you know, I'm at home, so I was able to eat all that lovely kale that I try to put on my grocery order list that I don't always get to. Um, and, you know, if we all needed a break, we went outside and took a walk together as a family. We got a puppy like everyone else did um, during that time. And so we needed to look at it and understand that it wasn't the great resignation happen thing. it was the great reevaluation. People were reevaluating why the way they wanted to spend their time and focus in their mm-hmm. lives. The relationship between employer and employee was changing, becoming more symbiotic. So in order to remain on the right side, the future of the work um, you know, projection and where we're facing, employers need to be prepared to adapt to the needs of people right mm-hmm. now. And that's what the grade of reevaluation does. This is where employers, you know, who once maybe were able to manage so much of and control a person's day to day, they're seeing employees taking more of a control of what work meant to them. Mm-hmm. They were not afraid to renegotiate on their terms of what they wanted and needed from an employer, Whether that was amenities for, you know, having more mental health stability, whether it was to take care of loved ones at home, whether it was I wanted to leave work and be able to show up for my kids baseball game because they're getting ready to go to college. These are what people were doing. And that's where you saw people leaving maybe those environments that weren't inclusive and creating that essential need of belonging for those employees but leaving to ones that understood the great reevaluation and was able to shift and do that.
1: Yeah, that's a really powerful, I like that phrase Uh, better, powerful information. (laughs) Yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that.
0: So I have a
1: follow-up question, Julia,
0: about when we're talking about Mm self-awareness here, it's easier said than done. And are there any suggestions or tips or exercises people can try to do to increase their self-awareness? And I feel like with Nadia explaining the great reevaluation, managers were probably definitely doing some inward inward looking in self-awareness too.
3: Yeah, so like anything else, it takes practice, right? We're not perfect at anything ever. We have to understand that we have to practice. And I think with managers, and this is Nadia and I are both mothers. We are coming from this when when everything shut down. Of course, there were positives, like she was talking about, about mental health. There were also some negatives that we had to overcome. Cooking three meals a day, you know, making sure that everybody was fed and taught. And sometimes at the end of the day, there was nothing left. We were depleted. That's pretty much constant for a lot of parents and a lot of individuals. Mm-hmm. At the end of a day, the end of a work day, we're, we're done, right? Mm-hmm. We're exhausted. We can't think of anything. Parents have to go home and put that smile on our face mm-hmm. and, and be moms. Ads again. And so I think one of the things to remember is that though things are changing, we're slowly going back to normal, we have to remember, we have to reflect on what it was and what this means for our employees, what has been taken away from them um, now that we're returning to work as normal, right? Um, what things can we be offering to make this transition smoother, to make employees want to continue to stay and work with us? And I think sometimes, again, we're stuck in our own situation and what we have, we have to encourage ourselves to remember what other people are going through. Sometimes we don't know and sometimes that's fine, maybe not everybody wants to share everything, but when we hear people sharing things, we need to listen, we need to take note and how we can make things better for them. If somebody is saying like they've missed another game and they're sending somebody else in their place for their kid, take note of that, let them have that time, maybe offer that they come in earlier so they can leave and do that respect people's time outside of work i even said this is my new thing is i am one of those people that 11:30 30 at night i remember something and say i have to send that email well i know personally that sometimes when i get those emails that's a stressor for me right so i've done better about setting it up to send automatically in the morning so that i'm respecting people's time and just realizing that not everybody is i'm I'm very. Um, I'm a person that has to do everything um, in order to sleep at night. My to-do list has to be to done or I'm not going to bed. But I have to remember that that's not help- helpful to everybody else. So just constantly, I think, thinking about other people. And we as a society are not great at that all the time, right? We're thinking about ourselves, yeah. our families, but yes. not everybody else. And thinking I about know. when I show up to a space, how is that affecting everybody else? I'm, I'm a loud, big personality person, and I have to remember that every day when I walk into a space on how I am representing myself because I don't ever want to make it uncomfortable for anybody else. So the best thing is, is to practice, to listen, to see what people's reactions are when you say certain things, when you are um, in a space, and that's the best you can do um, and keep reading and learning about other cultures that's my number one takeaway too i don't know everything about everything it's impossible to do um and if you make a mistake if you make a misstep and you realize that or somebody's brought that to your attention ask how you can do better people want to help you if if they're bringing it to your attention that it wasn't handled properly they likely know what could have been done. And if they don't, find a resource, find somebody that can help. Call Nadia and I. We'll give yeah. you a book <laughs> we, we we tour. We will call you. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> yes. you, you make it sound um, you know, so easy. I mean, it's like, you know, be a mm-hmm. be a good human, right? Empathy, like yeah. take take a step. I heard and you that's say, not Julia, easy. Earl- earlier, you know, take a beat. Um, you know, think about how you show up, um, you know, not uh-huh. everyone's like you. So these things sound easy, right? But they're, they're not easy. And I think sometimes it's, um, you know, you, you want to see people like yourself and it's hard to have that healthy separation between, you know, like your sense of who you are and, and your skills or yeah. what you do and you apply well, that yeah. to, to others. And so it's really easy to judge yourself harshly. It's easy to judge other people. Um, so, uh-huh. you know, what are some of the questions you can ask yourself as, a, as that pause before you make a snap decision about why someone's late or, you know, why their shirt isn't ironed or, you know, why they didn't bring the proper uh-huh. paper to the meeting? Um, what can you ask yourself before you, you know, open mouth and, you know, potentially insert foot?
2: <laughs> right, right. I mean, so in our training, we actually there's a, a you know portion of it that we do talk about what it means to foster employees and authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. So authenticity means that, you know, that person can show up to work being themselves, all true colors are welcomed. Um, And it means not feeling like you have to act a certain way or be someone you're not. Mm. Um, And so in, in, in right now in our environment, home and work is unfortunately blended. There's so many different countries that do it way better of separation, but, for us, it's it's blended oftentimes. Mm-hmm. So, with recognizing that, if you recognize that that is a blended environment that we have today, authenticity is so important to be appreciated and for employees to feel valued, to show up as their true self, um, unapologetically, um, and then knowing they'll be embraced for who they are. Mm-hmm. And so, when you think about having fostering that attitude, right, that mentality. Then, you know, and I, and I was at a conference the other day and a manager was speaking and, and she said she had, had just hired an employee and that employee kept, you know, was supposed to start at eight o'clock and would show up at 8.20. Then it was 8.30 some days, 8.45. Um, and they were in a space of doing this DI work as well. And, you know, then the team started you know, talking about it and how this person, this new hire wasn't showing up at the time that they're supposed to every day consistently. And so she said, you know, I got frustrated right. and, you know, here's this new person I had hopes for. Um, and, and I, I didn't, you know, I was, it was a female and we didn't, they were in an environment where it wasn't a whole lot of female. Um, and she felt like, gosh, this is this is, so unfortunate, but I have to have this tough conversation. And so, luckily for her, she pulled her aside and said, first, and I always encourage managers to do this: first, seek to understand before you're understood." Right. And she said, "Help me to understand. You know, the time's at eight o'clock. I see that you're struggling to be here at eight o'clock. Um, you know, is there something going on, or how can we support you better?" And it was in that conversation she learned that this employee was a single mom and had a little kid, little not even in kindergarten, that had asthma, asthma, and was having asthma attacks sometimes in the morning. And so, as a mom, trying to control that, not dropping that kid off to daycare, um, knowing, not knowing that they're okay. I would be the same way. That you know, I've seen. Kids with asthma attacks, my husband grew up with asthma. It's 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 you know very scary. Mm-hmm. So that's what was happening is that certain days, you know, her child would be fine, and then other days she'd have an asthma attack. And some days was easier to get back down and control, other days it was not. And she says, Gosh, if I didn't take my own advice and didn't ask first about how that person was, inquire about that person. Who they are, understanding what their needs were, I would have came off as a horrible person. And she said it triggered her too because she was a child of asthma. So she especially felt and knew exactly what this mom was going through. And so she said, It's okay. If when when those days happen and you need to be late, just text me and let me know. And she then had a talk with the team to let the team know. And the team was automatically empathetic Mm -hmm. and was gracious enough. There was another mom who was dealing with the same thing, but her kid was older and gave a book to the child, um, to the mom to give to the child about um, not being afraid of asthma and how to manage it. So it is in that very moment that we have the opportunity to be the purest sense of humanity for others. And that's what I always encourage, you know, my HR voice to do with our, with our managers and leaders is to pause, right? Hit the, hit the pause button for a minute and put someone else's need before yourself. And the conversation is bound to happen anyways, mm-hmm. but first have the conversation about them and understanding what's going on in their world. So you can then have them understand your world.
0: Well, that's what I feel and like. And I think one, waves, Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, Julia. I was just gonna say. Well, one like, thing.
3: Go <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. go you ahead. are the guest. <laughs> well, it's okay. One thing that she uh, Nadia just said numerous times that I think is important is to have these authentic conversations to allow people to be authentic. There uh-huh. has to be a great line of communication. That's a major part of self awareness and a major part of having a comfortable, inclusive work environment. You have to be comfortable to speak to your managers. When there's an issue and you have to be comfortable listening being quiet while you listen which i did just not do a good example of <laughs> and um getting the proper information so that you can understand more be aware of what you're going to do next and maybe just keep another employee that if you would have just walked up with that person and said i'm sorry we can't do this anymore and realizing it was something that was out of their control that really you can make adjustments for in their workday. that's that's pivotal Right. Yeah. Well,
0: I think what opened my eyes the most while researching for this topic was that DE&I goes way beyond just gender or race or anything like that. It's the true inclusion (laughs) and belonging. And that's what the the most simple thing. If you just ask them in the transparency and they already probably feel more comforted and welcomed and belonging. And that I love that example of that story.
1: Yeah, it's it's um, there. I'm sure that our listeners have hundreds of stories that they've been on both sides of that conversation, and in hearing you describe that again, seems like a very simple interaction. I can think of many times where that's happened in my career, both as the employee and as the leader. And um, some of them went okay, and some of them didn't. And um, you know, I was was a single mom of, of twins, and. Um, you know, I can remember being in those situations many, many times and doing crazy, crazy things to try to get someplace you know at a certain time with you know um, it, you know maybe I, I would have chosen differently right if I had that opportunity to to do it again. so
2: yeah, for sharing yeah. That. so oftentimes I hear employers talk about loyalty, loyalty, but like trust, you have to earn it. You have to mm-hmm. earn it and how how do you do that, and that's fostering that environment of understanding and care and and you know through the channels of these conversations you hear empathy empathy absolutely has to be at the forefront Mm -hmm. yeah
3: and and how are how is somebody going to belong if or feel loyal if they don't belong and Mm -hmm. being empathetic is one of the strongest most important parts of leadership that sometimes is viewed as a weakness it cannot be you have to be empathetic you have to be constantly putting yourself in other people's shoes. I think even like just watching a news story and what if that was me, you know, how would I move in that situation? How would I circumvent those things? I think just constantly having those thoughts with yourself when you, we're saying this is hard work and we're also saying we're busy. So one of the things that I try to do is in the pickup line for school when I'm driving here this morning, right? To to do this podcast is, is what if this was me? What would I do? What would I hope for? And just take those moments, it's also, a great mental health moment to sit quietly and think. I think that's important.
1: Yeah,
0: I wanted to share a little personal anecdote. So um, when we talk about self-awareness and empathy, I look at my parents and I'm like, how did you guys teach me to be kind of decent at it? Because I grew up in a very small town, rural, graduated with 50 people, no diversity. Um, but my dad was a football coach at a bunch of different schools. So I was exposed to a lot of different types of people. Um, And we kind of lived in a bubble our whole lives. And so when I went to the University of Dayton, I met very similar people to me, but also I was seeing more people that I've never seen before. And it was very diverse. And so I I would say my eyes were open, but I I didn't feel like anything was different because I grew up, everyone was treated the same. Like treat people the way you want to be treated was our household slogan, I guess. Um, So how can you guys, how can employers and parents and peers teach the importance of this I asked my mom and she was like I don't know she's like I just told you to love everyone it wasn't like hard so what would what advice would you guys give
3: yeah I think one of the things is we live in an awesome age right now where we're seeing a lot of representation on tv in books in Mm -hmm. movies this this wasn't happening I mean i I don't remember being a child as well as I would like to hope, like it was yesterday, right? Um, (laughs) But I know like Sesame Street and things did a great job for that of us. And sometimes maybe we aren't comfortable having the conversation or we don't know how to have the conversation. There likely is a resource. PBS is great on being inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, a, A lot of companies, there's a ton of books we see now Every child is represented in a book somewhere, somehow. And this has been very important to me as a mother, that I can ensure that my daughter's represented in the books that she reads constantly and things like that. So that helps. But I also think in our behavior is how we, how we teach this. Your parents were likely modeling this to you. Mm-hmm. As a parent, we need to be kind. As an employer, we need to be kind. If somebody sees us raising our voice, being disrespectful, they're not learning from us. You know, that's one of the things in leadership. Whether it be at home, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're an you know an employer. You need a model of behavior you're hoping to see out of people, that you're hoping to teach them. It's one thing to say to our kids, be kind, be nice. But if we're not kind and nice, they're not going to see that that works. It's the same at work, right? If we're not respecting everybody, we're not going to earn respect. We're not going to create a welcoming environment that people want to hang out in. So the best thing is is to, to lead by example. And I'm, I, like I said, I've been in education forever. I'm like, read books, read books, right. uh-huh. <laughs> watch things that are different you normally watch at the end of the day. I know it's really easy for me to turn on Bravo and just um, unwind and do nothing, but there's (laughs) amazing documentaries about cultures I don't know about or shows about cultures I'm not familiar with. And I can't tell you how much research I've done just by doing things like that and being shocked at a documentary of something that, you know, at 41 years old, I've never heard about at all. So exposing yourself to other learning ways are really important too. Mm Well
2: so one of the thing oh
3: no I now I
2: was gonna add one of the things in our training we do unconscious bias. Hmm. And I always help our audience, our participants to understand the very many facets and filters that bias seeks into our heads mm-hmm. and our behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so and I take them back to a child, right? A baby, that their only source right? Think of that baby's figuring out how to walk. What's, what's their source for that? They're looking at mom and dad as they sit in the middle of the floor with their rattles and everything around them. And they're at that point forming a bias. They're saying, okay, if I get up and I hold onto this couch and I stand up, I'm not going to fall through the floor. Why do I know this? Because mom and dad doesn't fall through the floor. I can hold on to this couch because I see mom sit on this couch. No, really? Probably dad. If you're in my house, dad lays on this couch (laughs) quite a bit. I know dad's not going to fall through this couch. So they start to get the confidence and how the understanding of how to maneuver and move through life through that little tiny environment as they sit on that floor with their rattles and everything else. And then as we get older, our testing avenue opens up more. It expands more. And then we bounce and our hypotheses, our research back to usually your home base. Mm -hmm. And Kenzie, for you, your home base kept you in a very just caring and thoughtful bubble and Mm -hmm. said, okay, yes, I'm glad you experienced this. So also keep this in mind. And, And they kept you focused in all the right ways. So employers have to understand that we now represent a whole nother environment, a whole nother testing site. Um, We've already walked in everything, we don't have our rattlers, but we're another testing site for employees. And same thing, what we model those behaviors, as Julia said, starts with leadership. Leadership has to first model the examples and the experience of what they want the culture to be at the workplace and then it will eventually follow. You'll get people who don't understand because unfortunately the bias that they surround themselves with is so strong. Um, And and you've got social media and all these other things, but that's for a whole nother topic. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But that's really where it's gotta start. It's gotta start with leadership and it's gotta infuse itself throughout the very culture of the workplace in order for people to be locked in step in how to behave and to mirror that golden rule that we all initially grew up with, right? Um, and sometimes it gets lost, but we need to to get the flashlights back out and find it back in our culture.
1: Yeah.
0: So I wanted to bring up an interesting thing that I started listening to, Emmanuel Ocho. Are you guys familiar with him?
2: Yes. Love him. I
0: adore him. And yes. um, in the past few years when we've had a lot of uh, heightened tensions mm-hmm. in the world. I wanted to mm-hmm. learn and listen and I re- read and I learned, listened to his podcasts and I learned a lot about um, how you need to see everything, acknowledge everything and learn from it. Um, do you guys have any people that you would recommend for our listeners to read from, listen from, learn from? I highly recommend Emmanuel Ocho but I don't know what you guys <laughs> think. as experts yourself.
2: I think yeah, of oh, your think- Daisy. Um or for wine.
3: Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, Julia. Daisy
3: Auger. Yeah, Daisy Auger just wrote a great book called Inclusion Revolution. Um, And this is a book that I think right now is critical (laughs) for managers. I'm gonna go in to put that out there to go get a copy of Inclusion Revolution. Sounds like I work for her, I don't. (laughs) Um, Austin Channing Brown also has a great book about growing up black in Ohio that I love. Um, that I have shared with so many people, Um, and then even for, there's a lot of great fiction out there right now um, Mm -hmm. about all of these topics that's so important, I think, to understand um, just culture in general. One of the books I have taught for the better part of probably 18 years is called The Namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri, Um, and it is about a boy coming of age. He is Indian. His parents Mm. came from India to the United States, but he was born in the United States, and he has two cultures that he is struggling to mesh. He doesn't know who to be, when, and how. And I think, though, this is a great book to learn about other cultures. It also helps us see that we have some similarities in those situations, and we may, again, not understand what's going on. So I am always looking for books to seek to understand and learn more through other lenses, and all three of Those are helpful. Um, Inclusion Revolution, the first book we talked about, also gives some handy steps on things to do and and where to start based on where you are. So I think for the most part, everybody has the willingness to do this, learn and grow, right? Um, We're just coming from different levels. And we always say this at Tiffin, when we started all of this work, it wasn't because we weren't doing it. It's not that it's not happening. We can always do better by learning. And everybody's coming from a different lens, different step. Um, in, in a different position. A lot of things are happening that you probably don't even know about as a leader. There's people that are doing great things. Um, Kenzie, you shared some stuff about your family that maybe Anne Marie didn't even know until today. So yeah. I think things are happening all the time. We just don't know about it. And it's a way to make sure that it's better and make sure we have opportunities to have these conversations. And yeah. always, I always say, Watch a documentary, read a book, listen to a podcast and yes. your, your mind, your world yes. will be changed. The information is out yes. there. It
1: sure is. And we appreciate those three book recommendations. And I started to write them down. And then I was like, wait, I'll just listen to the podcast and get them. So <laughs> um, it was kind of a weird moment for me, but I'm really excited yes, to and actually. Weirdly, I always
3: have a list. So come to me if you need something about anything. I, I have a, a list that I constantly keep to refer to people when they ask. Because that's a, one of the things that Nadia and I always get asked when we leave a room is, I'm not done learning and and though they can have us come back at any time, I always say but in the interim, here's some things you can do on your own.
2: Here's some yeah. things. yeah, so we have an ongoing list and we even have children's stories mm-hmm. um, training just different facets because I've had um, other workers and I have an HR group and I've had them starting to do a you know kind of a book list at their workplaces yeah. and they said, but we want to do it for our kids too. We want to read with them and involve them in the DEI mindset. So then Julia and I got together and we're like, okay, you get get your list of favorite books that you read to your, daughter I give my favorite books I read to my boys and so we do have um, children's books on there as well
3: yeah Thank and you. as so an so adult fun. I have learned I'm gonna throw this out there really quickly um Vashti Harrison, I know what you're um, say. her <laughs> books are amazing um, as an adult even um, my husband and I read a story to my daughter um, she has some great books about women in history um, black men in history black leaders in history black women in history and each page is a story about this individual and it's illustrated and I cannot tell you you how much as an adult I have learned from reading these children's books with my child and now she reads them to me and we can learn collaboratively together. She starts as early as board books and goes all the way up to older readers. So Vashti Harrison, make a note, get get those books, get learning. It's such a, um, there's so much of our history that we have missed and I don't blame education entirely. How can you cram an entire history into such a short period of time that we're in school. It's our responsibility to learn more. And this is a great way to do it as a family. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you guys for those recommendations. Unfortunately, our time has to come to an end. Um, For today. For today. For this episode. Um, But I wanted to thank you both (laughs) so much for your contributions on this topic, especially about self-awareness and culture. And to our listeners, we have another episode coming up quickly. And it's mainly for our HR professionals. Um, We're going to be talking about the best practices for hiring and retaining diverse employees. So you're not going to want to miss that one. Um, So Nadia and Julia, thank you again for joining us. And if you have any questions, yep. If you have any questions or comments about the side effects episode, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com
1: or me at Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Thank you so much.